You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. It's a Sports Fix Thursday. Tom Lavero's in the house. Aaron is here. We're at Chatter and Friendship Heights Corner of Wisconsin and Jennifer Streets Northwest. Come in to Chatter. A uh, great place to watch all of the football. Tonight is a really, really good Thursday night game. Vikings-Rams. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call now. Call before Sunday. You'll save big, much more on how you'll save big with Window Nation in a few minutes. But you can call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Uh, how are you this morning? I don't know if you noticed, but it's it's raining out a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. It's going to rain again tomorrow. Oh, it's, and supposed, then... it's supposed to pour tonight. It's supposed to have flooding tonight. Uh, I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> really? It's, it, it's amazing. Do you know that you know, the tree root systems now have been compromised to the point where trees could, with a little bit of wind, yes. start to fall over yes. in mass? Yes, it's a nightmare. You know, three years ago, the learners... Did I talk? I don't know if I talked yes, to you. Yes, the about roof. This. God, you forgot. You just mentioned that to me two days ago about how they wanted the city to build a retractable roof. It seems like a good idea now. <laughs> it does. And it <laughs> seemed like a really good idea when you presented it on Tuesday. Really? Two days ago. Was, yeah. I, was I here Tuesday? <laughs> you were here Tuesday. <laughs> Jesus. That's a long time ago. <laughs> you were here Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to read this tweet from Carl, um, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I said yesterday on the show. Kevin, you said the owner. Dan Snyder, is hands off these days, that you believe it to be true. What makes you think that? Please elaborate on that. He's been the one constant over 20 years of losing. What makes you think his hands are off this team? So yesterday, I don't even know when I said it, I vaguely remember saying in talking about sort of why a season could go in the wrong direction after a nice 2 and one start, I said, well, of course we know how it could go poorly. I mean, have you not lived here? Have you not lived through this this story over the last 20 years? But I said, Tommy, I don't think it's going to be owner messed up this time because I do believe, and I don't, I don't think you're going to agree with me, which is fine. I've been told many times over the last three years by people close to the day-to-day operations in Ashburn Um, And you know this, I did, we both did shows from Ashburn and we have over the years, that he really isn't even there anymore. Not that he has to be there to mess it up, but that after the Griffin episode in 2013, when he was far too comfortable and far too close to the quarterback, and that was a relationship owner and quarterback that ended up being disruptive to the team, that after that... He has really been, for the most part, except for big decisions being brought in for an update and an opinion, that he's been out of it. Like, he is not involved. Bruce is involved, all right? Your Prince of... Prince of Darkness. ...has been involved, um, but that that, that Dan hasn't. Um, That's my view. I think it changed when Bruce got here in 2010 in terms of of his involvement. It didn't keep him from developing a relationship with the quarterback in 2012. Bruce couldn't stop that. Shanahan couldn't stop that. Um, But I don't think it is what a lot of people still think it is. And I would doubt highly that if they end up having a bad season after a good start, 
This is just my view, and I know it's a contrarian minority view. I don't think it would be because of something that Dan did in the middle of the season. I don't. Well, it depends on if he if he fires Jay Gruden or not in the middle of the season. If they lose four straight, I don't think he's going to do that. Okay. I don't think he would do that without. I don't think his he would People saying it's the right thing to do. Oh, I think I think he would uh, if ignore his football people in that sense. I think again, you're overstating this. And uh, in 2010, he had a big impact on the Donovan McNabb deal that uh, a deal that Mike Shanahan didn't want to make. Uh, so it, it it happened before Griffin. And again, you know this this is like this is this is like the bank robber, the the head of a gang that robbed banks that said that all of a sudden says, "I'm going to let other people do it from now on." I've taught you all. Yes, I've taught you all how to how to wreck this franchise, and you all operate under the fear and dysfunction that I've instilled for decades. Uh, my work is done here. I can just sit back and watch because you know what I want. You know the way I do business. And you better do business my way. Do you really believe that? Oh, absolutely. You, this, you believe- this guy, he has infected a, a franchise, and his presence will keep that franchise infected until he's gone. This franchise will never be healthy as long as Dan Snyder's the owner. Never. Look, it starts at the top. We all know that. It's not been very good at the top. I'm not speaking to the top not being important to the success or of, of an organization, of an NFL organization. All I'm speaking to is that his day-to-day involvement in the franchise has been grossly exaggerated in recent years. That's what I'm speaking to. He's not in draft meetings. He's not telling people what to do in free agency. Um, he's not on, on, a, on a field with a stopwatch timing somebody. Um, he's not. He doesn't have Vinny out there, you know, Hey, I like that guy. Go get him at any cost. That that doesn't exist and hasn't existed since 2010. Although you did bring up Donovan Donovan McNabb, and that was without question, as we know, uh, the first move made after hiring yeah. Mike Shanahan. I mean, and Shanahan said, days. "I don't want the deal. I don't want Donovan McNabb." <laughs> Uh, the guy that he wanted was the uh, Rams quarterback, the West Virginia quarterback, who ended up retiring, whose name escapes me right now. We'll come up with that Mark shortly. Bulger? Yeah, Bulger. Mark he Bulger. wanted Mark Bulger. And that was the guy, and Bruce came back to him and said, Bulger's retiring, we can't get him, but guess who we got you? Yes. And he's, I don't want McNabb. Um, but anyway, I, you know what, it's not really worth getting into in great detail I don't think he's involved day to day. I don't think that he would be the reason this year that the the season goes south. I think the better chance of this season going south, if it does, would be because of coaching, because of a lack of wide receiver, wide receivers, or because of injuries like last year. Okay, uh, that's, Kevin, that's my who, feeling. Who gave the uh, coach the contract extension? Uh, I think I think Bruce really was behind the contract. Uh, do you think Dan said no? No, of course Dan was involved. Okay, in, so in if, decisions it, if it at goes that level. if it goes south because of coaching, then who's responsible? He is. Okay. Again, there's active interference and there's subtle interference. Passive in, interference. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, his presence again permeates the entire franchise. He he's I mean, except for these outsiders on the business side that he's brought in. Uh, a lot of the people who have been there have been there for a while now, and they know what Dan Snyder wants, and they and they fear. I'm sure they fear Dan Snyder. And you know, I'm sorry, uh, but 
I wouldn't believe anything that anybody who works for that organization in any way, shape, or form tells me about anybody okay. or anything. Th- and that's your prerogative. I do believe that. I do believe it to be true of the last few years that he's been very, very hands-off. Not when it comes to major decisions. Remember, there was apparently a conversation, at least one between Snyder and Kirk Cousins during the whole you know, Kirk Cousins situation. And that's situation. not unusual. No. It, it, not, it's not unusual for most owners. Uh, but I, then I don't most have a problem owner, with that. But then most owners don't have a rap sheet like Dan Snyder. Understood. Uh, we both think, or at least I do, that their new chief operating officer, Brian LaFamina, is a breath is a breath of fresh air. How long he'll be able to breathe that Actually, into the organization? Your owner, this owner of yours, mentioned that the new quarterback is a breath of fresh air. Yes. So, but you know he's not that involved. So <laughs> well, you can say that as an owner. Okay, you can say that as an owner. Why can't you say, "Hey, the quarterback's a breath of fresh air"? Compared to what? <laughs> I guess compared to the last. Compared quarterback. to the stench of the last quarterback. Yeah, which, uh, whatever. Okay. Um, you know what I did yesterday on NFL Buy or Sell? I sold the Vikings as a Super Bowl contender. Really? Yeah. You can go back and listen to that on the podcast from yesterday. Um, it's in like minute 50-something. Something, you know, I, I would have listened to it, but I was pretty busy yesterday. I know. You were on at, with Chad at, in the at, afternoon. At, at, at early Nats in Park. the afternoon, because yes, I, I listened to some of that. Yeah, and, and then I had to go, go over to Nats Park for, uh, for the game. Which we'll get to in a moment. Um, so it's the bye week for the Redskins coming up. And you and I would do this every year, and I've done it in the last couple of years with Cooley. You know, you get to the bye week, and it's like midseason grade time. You know, which is the, the the cliche sports talk radio segment during a bye week, but you really can't do that when the no, bye week is it, in week four. No, you can't. So, uh, what I was going to ask you, and and I will weigh in as well, is through three weeks, do you have a hunch on a player or two that you think is in for a big year, and maybe a hunch on a player or two or something else? Uh, with with the team that you are concerned with? Anyone on the offensive side of the ball, anyone I'm concerned with, I don't think the offense is going to be very good this year. I just think they're going to struggle. And I, it's not necessarily going to be Alex Smith's fault. I just think that uh, you really underestimate how pathetic their running game will wind up being because I, I – I don't see how you can count on Adrian Peterson for 16 why? games. Well, why, why can't you count him on Be, him for that? Because 33-year-old running backs don't last 16 games. They usually don't, games. but you would agree that he is, he's a freak. But, uh, but a physical you, you freak be, compared to You could be most. a freak all you want. Kevin, you know when you Rigo get... Rigo was a physical freak. When you get older, you know that the recovery time for your body is different. So when you get hurt, the recovery is different. So he can, he can be the, the freakiest freak you want. He, you can probably light matches on his body. He's probably so cut. But that doesn't mean if he gets hurt, like he's hurt right now, apparently, yes. it's going to take longer for him to recover than it did three or four or five years ago. Okay, so that's your concern. So Eric. my concern, anything offensively. Anything offensively that, does that include the quarterback? Uh, yes, because he needs help. Or I mean, he can't run the ball every play. So he needs help, and I just think every, I just don't think offensively they're going to be very good. Now, fortunately, what will keep them afloat will be defensively, and this is an easy one, uh, but if he stays healthy, Jonathan Allen's going to be uh, an all-pro. That was where I was going to start. Um, John Allen 
is a is a pro bowler. I don't know if it's this year in year two, which is really if he plays 16 games, it'll be his first full season because yes. he got injured for the final nine or 10 of, of last year. But it's not much, it's not out on a limb in terms of the hunch. John Allen looks like a potential dominant interior defensive lineman. The Redskins have not had a dominant interior defensive lineman since Dave Butts. Yes, yes. Seriously. I know. In terms of an interior defensive tackle type. It seems like for decades they've had undersized nose tackles. Uh, yeah, they've, they, they, they've or been, washed up they've been lacking tackles. at that position forever. I mean, you know, Cornelius Griffin I thought was really good for a year or two. I thought he was a very good player for a year or two. They have not had... Since they went to the 3-4 in Mike Shanahan's first season in 2010, they have not had a true nose tackle, which most football people would say, you need a nose tackle to play the 3-4. Well, they did briefly. Uh, a guy named the Pocono Punisher, but he couldn't stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, Chris Neald. Um, <laughs> so John Allen, to me, through three games, and I think I had a feeling about this last year through his first five or six games, so you're most not, of you. So are you going to say you had this? No, I'm not going to say I had it. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, I, I, I'm saying this is not out on a limb. This is, this is an obvious hunch that I think every Redskin fan has is that John Allen looks like a true elite interior defensive lineman, and they haven't had that for years, and it will make a huge difference. Yes, it will. Stopping the run, and it'll make a massive difference in their pass rush to get interior pressure. So I, I think that potentially he's a pro bowler this year. You've got some good interior. I you, agree. You've got guys like Cox and Donald, et cetera, in the I NFC. Know. But Allen is a star in the making. Um, I also have a very good feeling about Zach Brown again. You know, I got into this debate a lot with Redskin fans last year and with Cooley, who said Zach Brown is a terrific athlete and he runs and he flashes and the speed is there, but he can't cover anybody. And therefore, you know, he's really only a B minus kind of player. I think that speed and he's healthy right now. Um, you add him to their interior stuff, and then you got a guy like Nicholson who can really run. And by the way, Fabian Moreau can really run. You know, Zach Brown, to me, I've just got a hunch, is going to have a Pro Bowl kind of season. He is, he is their most athletic guy, their fastest guy, and I think you could argue their best playmaker on defense. Now, does he have flaws? Yes. Can they keep him away from those flaws being exposed? Like, don't have him in coverage? Of course. He's really good as a pass rusher. I think they should use him more on the outside as a pass rusher uh, than they have in the past, um, especially given that, you know, Kerrigan and Smith right now are just okay players. Well, let me ask you that about that. We're talking about the power of the interior line and the value it has for the pass rush. But we haven't seen the pass rush. Why is that? Why do you think that? Why is why is Kerrigan so quiet? Well, this we've year? seen we we saw pass rush against Aaron Rodgers uh, not, on Sunday. Not, Matt Ionitis was a, a yeah. And that's John the Allen I'm talking Payne. about from the exterior. Well, why haven't we seen it from Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan? Okay, well, there's one obvious reason, and that is they're just okay pass rushers. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan is a double digit pass rusher year after year on bad on, on teams without interior push. That is true. 
Um, but I have never felt about Ryan Kerrigan that he is an elite pass rusher, even though sometimes his numbers say that he's a very good to elite pass rusher. I've never felt that way about, about Kerrigan. I think Kerrigan is a good, is a really good player. I don't think he's a great player. Um, and what we've seen so far from him this year is not even the Ryan Kerrigan of the past. No. And to your point, with better interior, you know, moving of the offensive line in the correct direction towards the backfield, yes. Kerrigan and Preston Smith should thrive. It's a bit of a mystery that think, they haven't. I think Zach Brown's going to thrive. But they, I, it's it's early, but but Kerrigan, Kerrigan got close, I guess, a couple of times. Yeah, last he week. gets held a lot, and everybody knows that. And it's illegitimate. He does. He gets held a lot. You know, Zach Brown is a bad dude. Zach Brown was an unbelievable high school wrestler up in Howard County. Right, yeah, from this area. Yeah. I mean, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, he he may have been one of the best heavyweight wrestlers in in, in the history of the state. I didn't I didn't know that. I knew he was a wrestler. Oh, and a he was one. he was very successful. He, I mean, it was, it was probably, you know, I don't know if it was as important for him as football. A lot of football players go into wrestling just because it's a natural uh, thing. Uh, but he was a badass as a high school wrestler. And he's he, you're right. He's a terrific athlete. A couple of other hunches. I have a hunch that Fabian Moreau's the real deal and is going to develop into the real deal. This is really his first year of playing after being drafted last year. Remember, this is a guy that if he hadn't been hurt for his pro day at UCLA, may have been a first round pick. He has that kind of talent. You know, I've had this conversation on this on even this podcast this the, of, of two and a half weeks. I think I've had it at least once, but I did it all the time on radio. And Doc was the first one to say one, uh, last year, last summer at training camp. He's like, look at Moreau and then look at Josh Norman. Like, how does Norman do it when he can't run? And it's true. Josh Norman can't run. Fabian Moreau can run. Fabian Moreau has true top-end cornerback speed and length. He has the whole package, if you watch him, physically. Um, and hopefully he'll start to put it together mentally. I have a hunch that he and Nicholson are going to become very good players. You know, I'm, I'm starting to, to look at the last few drafts defensively with Allen, with Payne, with Nicholson, with Moreau, and you're starting to realize the Redskins actually may have hit on some of these finally. Yeah. And they've got some decent talent. But it is amazing about Josh Norman because his game is all – all experience and mental sort of high IQ football well, IQ. He he has the Pierre Garcon gene, the, the sense that he was it's a true. low draft pick from a small college, and overlooked. He, and even to get into Coastal Carolina was hard for him out of high school. So he's had to fight. And, you know, you have some guys that that winds up being fuel. I, I, I've joked about it, the chip on your shoulder. But that's clearly what drives Garcon. Garcon went to Mount Union College, right. Division Three. Wait, uh, yeah, right. It, yeah. And, and London Fletcher was, you know, for yeah. so many years was sort of cut from that. John Carroll. John Carroll in Ohio. Yeah. So I think that really uh, he's had to get by on his smarts and uh, toughness. Yeah, uh, his whole career. And as he gets older, that's going to be harder and harder to do. Uh, but you're right. He's not, he's not the same kind of, of uh, physical talent as, as, as Moreau. Um, my, my hunch offensively in sort of a positive way, and it, you know, this, again, is hardly a leap, 
um, because we know what he is when he's been healthy. Jordan Reed should have a monster year if he can play the majority of games because they don't have much else. And it's so crucial this year, especially with this quarterback. I'm not, I'm not going to go down the, the, the comparison thing. I think but even, this quarter, even Alex Smith supporters say he needs weapons. He's got to have weapons. Yes. And Jordan Reed is the number one weapon on the football team. Number one football player on the team. And we've seen this in the past that when Jordan Reed's on the field, there is a defensive focus on Jordan Reed. And sometimes that's not even good enough. And this is where I give Jay Gruden a lot of credit. This is where he's really good. Gruden's able to take a guy like Jordan Reed, where the defense is focused on stopping Jordan Reed and using him in stacks and in motions and getting him in matchups that he can win consistently. Like on Clay Matthews the other day where it was a joke with him in coverage on him. And that led to a a big gain. And then you had the big play out of the end zone, out of deep in their end zone. But the thing that Jordan Reed does when he's on the field is he's going to give a mediocre group of wide receivers a chance to make plays. Because Alex Smith will often look at Reed and say, look at the defensive attention, and now all of a sudden Richardson's got man coverage or Doxson's got man Who? coverage. Josh Doxson. I'm not familiar with that. Most that aren't. Um, and you, you'll have the opportunity. Those guys will have the opportunity. And I'm going to be interested, too, just to see what Jay Gruden does with teams that decide to do what Green Bay did a ton of on Sunday, which is blitz to keep Chris Thompson in. You know, if you send that fifth or sixth guy after the quarterback and Thompson's in the game, Thompson's got to stay in as a pass blocker. And so it's not ideal. It's not ideal. So Gruden will come up with answers. This is what he is good at. He'll come up with answers to not have Chris Thompson taken out of a game because the other team decides to blitz. Now, if they do decide to blitz, that means you've got Reed and other receivers in man coverage. Um, I just look at Jordan Reed. He looks healthy to me. Jay Gruden said the other day, we've been easing him into it, but now we're ready to really turn him loose. Let's hope he stays healthy. That's a big hope. It's a big ask based I mean, on, on, on previous history. But I mean, not only he's his history. Dom, he's a dominant yes, he player, is. Tommy. He, he is. He can't be covered. Cannot be checked no. by almost anybody. You've got to put a corner on him. And But the thing is, with, with this guy, it's not just his, his, uh, his injuries – he, I, I believe that he almost came close to retiring a couple years ago from the, the concussions. concussions. Yeah. So I think he's one concussion away from being out of the league. Uh, and concussions can come, happen no matter how careful you are. It's part of the nature of, of, of the game. So I don't know how you, how you pr- protect against that in that case. I'm going to give you a shiny red apple for today, okay? Uh, who are the three top offensive players, including linemen, on this Redskins team in 2018? Well, the, 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 it's, it's Thompson. I, I'm sorry. It's, it's Trent Williams, it's Jordan Reed, and it's Chris Thompson. Who drafted all them? Mike Shanahan. That's pretty remarkable when I you know. think about it. That the core offensive talent of this team, and Mike Shanahan hasn't been here since 2013, are still draft picks by Mike Shanahan. Ryan, I mean, they've done very Ryan well. Kerrigan was in I know, Mike but Shanahan they've draft. done very well defensively <laughs> recently, like you pointed out. Offensively, not so well. You know, the um, Jordan Reed um, selection uh, in 2000... Okay, Jordan Reed was taken in the 2013 draft, right? The 2013 draft in the third round. Um, 
Mike had told you and I this story a long time ago, and when he was on with me a couple of uh, a week and a half ago, I had him tell this story again. Griffin, and he said this wasn't unusual for players to to advocate on behalf of the players that they had played with in college. Yeah. But Griffin came in and said no on Jordan Reed. Don't go there. Terrence Williams, the Baylor wide receiver right. who's now a Cowboy, please, this is the guy we need. Terrence Williams is an okay player. And Mike said Jordan Reed was a quarterback, yes. was a basketball player, and we know what these basketball players have been as tight ends in the NFL. Um and we didn't see it. We didn't see it with Thompson for a few years because of injuries. Because of injury. <clears throat> and they drafted him with a, a history of injury. Yes, at, they did, out of Florida State. Out of Florida State. Um, the, uh, so thanks for the shiny red apple. It tastes great. Um, <laughs> and the, so the, the areas that I'm concerned about, I'm just going to give you one right now. It's not that I'm concerned about him. I just, we've, we've said it already, I just know from watching Alex Smith during the course of his career, and I've always liked Alex Smith. I've always considered him to be a top half of the league starter. All right, not top 10, top half. But I think it's a work in progress right now with Alex Smith and Jay Gruden and Matt Cavanaugh and the whole group. And if you start taking some of these pieces away, like if the offensive line, Trent Williams is having the surgery, if Jordan Reed were to get health, look at what happened to Alex Smith when he lost Travis Kelsey in the playoff game last Look, year. Look, I agree the, with the you. I mean, absolutely. So, all I'm saying is I think Alex Smith is good, and I think Alex Smith is more than adequate if this team is as, is as improved on defense as I think it is for them to be competitive this year, but you cannot take weapons away from him, or I'm telling you, you will watch a quarterback that will crumble in front of your eyes. What you'll do, he what has to have... The last guy didn't have to have all of it, and he was more of a systems read guy. Right. All right. This guy can make plays, which is what I love. But if you don't have Adrian Peterson and this this running game being a threat at least this year, and you don't have Jordan Reed on the field, it's I will I'll agree with you. The yeah. offense will be the biggest problem because it hasn't shown. I mean. I, I mean, it, it, say for a quarter or a half here and there, it hasn't been consistently good. They have so three far. good quarters. Yeah. So I mean, there's reason to be three worried good right about now. that. And the difference games. for Alex Smith is if it's third and four or third and five, he can get you that first down. Mm -hmm. Third and nine, not with his legs. Can't do it then. Who, Alex Smith? Yeah. Well, he can against teams playing man coverage with threats and uh, he he's a he's a creator. This is what and they're going to need that by the way if they don't have health along the offensive line and they lose players. Look, right now for the most part, we don't know what the Trent Williams injury is, but right for right now, you know, Morgan Moses, I, hopefully he's back after the break, although the whole, you know, Ruye to guard, Bergstrom to center and Seki in at tackle didn't work out that badly no, for it the didn't. Redskins. But um I just think that they're better defensively. They're improved defensively. They're not the number one defense. Okay, that that's not what they are. All right, they could be a top ten defense when all is said and done. Um, potentially top twelve, I think, is a really good bet um, statistically. But more than that, sort of, you know, with your eyes, you, you feel like you're watching a top ten to top twelve defense. But offensively. It could break down and, and end up being a real issue if all of these guys don't yes. stay healthy for Alex Smith. I agree. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, 
I want to tell you about Window Nation. Uh, they were the first. Harley and Aaron were the first to reach out uh, when I started this podcast venture just two and a half weeks ago. Harley and I have been friends for a while. If you like this show and you're thinking about buying new windows, I promise you that you'll be thrilled if you call Window Nation. They will take care of you, I promise. Halloween, we are now approaching a month away from Halloween. Thanksgiving, two months away. Christmas, three months away. What does that mean? It means winter is coming, Tommy. Winter is coming. Game of Thrones in the spring of 2019. Did you ever get into Game of Thrones? I forget. No. Did I, I never... No, I couldn't find a costume to wear that I, I liked. I couldn't convince you to get into <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh, you're missing out, Tommy. Oh. oh, yeah, I'm missing out. You're missing out, Tommy. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you are You'll have to out. wear your costumes to the studio someday. How many times have I told you it's not that? Oh, my God. It's, it's one step that. away from Dungeons and Dragons. No, it isn't. It I is, tr- too. God, you know, what, you, you know what? When it comes to things like this, I, you know, Ozark. You're watching Ozark. Look, but you didn't turn I me think on I, to Ozark. I think I did. No, you I think didn't. I did. I think I did. No, you didn't. I think I turned you on to Ozark. You know, you keep doing that. I'm going to tell you what's ahead. <laughs> and you ain't going to like it. I've only watched two episodes in season two. So. Um, but it's not what you think, Game of Thrones. Anyway, winter is coming. Now is the time you need to start acting when it comes to winterizing your home with brand new Window Nation windows. If you wait, you may be too late to replace your old drafty windows before nasty winter weather hits. Call Window Nation today and save 50% off all style of uh, styles of windows. That's 50% off, 50% off any style, any size, any color window. Half off. It's like paying for the front of the house and getting the back for free. There's no minimum or maximum purchase. Start with the worst windows or replace them all. Just don't wait until it's too late. Window Nation is making it super easy right now for the balance of the month. Listen carefully. You'll get 50% off all style of windows, plus no down payment, no payments, and no interest for one full year. But there's even more. If you purchase a house of windows this week, Window Nation will pay your utility bills until your new windows are installed. So call 86690Nation or visit windownation.com by this Sunday. 86690Nation or windownation.com by this Sunday and tell them I told you to call. I promise you, if you call Window Nation and you say, I was listening to the Kevin Sheehan podcast or the Sports Fix podcast when Tommy's on and I need new windows, you won't be disappointed. Bryce Harper last night played what many believe to be, Tommy, his final home game at Nats Park. It wasn't even a complete home game as uh, they got to seven innings, the rain came, and they beat Miami. By the way, they're in second place now. Yeah, um, no, the Phillies have totally Phillies collapsed. Phillies have completely collapsed. Uh, un- under the weight of their analytics. So their, their lunatic manager. So I was listening to Bob Nightingale this morning on Galdi's show on 980. Um, you know Nightingale. He's the most plugged-in writer in all you, baseball. I remember when you told me that five years ago and, and was very close with Dusty, right? Yes. And he said this morning, he said, Bryce Harper, he predicts, will re-sign with the Nationals. He said the Phillies are a possibility, the Giants are a possibility, maybe the Dodgers, but that his prediction, and he is as plugged in with the Nats and the Orioles as anybody, he predicts that Bryce Harper will re-sign with the Nationals. Do you agree with him? No, I don't. Uh, they've had six years to re-sign Bryce Harper. When, when, they had, when they were the only one to be able to talk to him, they have a month left to do that until he becomes a free agent, and then everybody can bid on him. And I think the bidding will wind up getting out of control. 
Uh, Bryce Harper said, I mean, uh, he said a lot of things that some things that were more telling than others. And one of the things he said, I think, before the game about whether or not he signs here is if I'm in the Nationals plans. He's very aware of of uh, personnel decisions, and he knows everybody has speculated about the Nationals outfield next year with Juan Soto, Victor Robles, who went four for four yesterday. Yeah, what a, and is, what a day. And is on Five fire. Five RBIs. Right, and, and Adam Eaton. That's what he's talking about with plans. He knows that there's a plan beyond Bryce Harper that on paper looks pretty good. So I think that's what he's talking about when he says, if I'm in their plans or if they're making plans Don't without me. Don't you think me. part of that, though, is also just to do what many perceived Kurt Cousins uh, what he did, which was to just say, "Hey, it's in their court. Well, the ball course. is in their this court." This is why I don't and, think if, he's... I, if I'm not here, it wasn't about me; it was about them. This is why I don't think he's going to sign here. I, I think that he's saying the right things, uh, most of the right things. Uh, I think, uh, look, he would be foolish. I think not to be, try to be to become a free agent. I mean, how many there? We, I, we very few opportunities for a player coming into his prime, coming into his prime years, to have this much financial power. You have to explore it. And, uh, you know, this notion that Washington is my city, I think that's just talk. You know, I mean, there were five Nats uh, uh, winter festivals when he was here. He stood them up for three of them. He didn't show up. Now, one of them, he was in a little bit of a pay dispute. The other one, he was getting ready for his wedding. And last year was his uh, supposedly his wedding anniversary. And you want to know something? If it's your city and they're your fans, you're there. So I'm not buying this thing that, that – I mean, I think in the beginning when he first came, I think he felt that. Do you remember, like, within the first couple of days when he arrived here in Washington, him walking around the mall – at, around the Washington Monument and stopping to play softball with a bunch of guys playing. I, I don't. I actually don't remember. That. It was. It was. I know that he embraced the city, yeah, but early. Yeah. Not so much the last couple of years. I think he's distanced himself, and that may be a product of being married, and and you know living back in Las Vegas. But I think he started putting walls up. I think in the beginning it seemed real possible that that he would be part of this. City, you know, for a long time, and I think he's distanced himself since then. What is the what's what's the calculus that the learners have to put together here, or do they like this is what he means if he's here to our revenues, to our profitability, to our mass in relationship, to because there's we we talked about needle movers the other day. Bryce Harper is a needle mover. To, to a certain extent. Media-wise, not necessarily attendance-wise. You don't think so? Look, I, I believe... You don't think he's a... Don't you, do you agree that he's a superstar? Yes, I do. But, okay. but, but position players in baseball, I, people don't show up at the park generally as much to see position players as they do pitchers. Pitchers are far bigger needle movers. Max Scherzer has a far bigger impact on attendance than Bryce Harper, because you don't know if Bryce Harper's going to be in the lineup every day. Will the learners consider 
more than just, hey, are we better with them or without them on the field? Will they consider all of these things that I just described, business reasons to keep them and to do some sort of exercise that says, if we can get them for this amount, he will pay for himself. Will they approach it that way, or are they just going to rely on Rizzo to say, we can field a really competitive team without spending 300 or $400 million on him? I think that they'll take everything into account. Uh, but there's some complicated issues in, in account. And I think if Bryce Harper turns around and says, well, you know, it was up to them to sign me, the learners are going to turn around and say, we would have – but we're t- all our money's tied up in this mass in dispute. This mass in dispute that baseball hasn't taken care of yet has kept us from the ability to sign Bryce Harper. I guarantee that's going to be used as an excuse. And it may be a valid one to some extent, although learners can spend as much money as they want. Again, you have the luxury tax. You don't want the payroll to go over the luxury tax. Signing a 35 to $40 million a year player is not generally good baseball economics. It, it, it restricts your payroll flexibility, which uh, is the key to success. So the other thing, um, Galdi's uh, interview this morning with, um, with, uh, Bob Nightingale. with Bob Nightingale from USA Today, um, Nightingale disclosed that Scott Boris and Bryce Harper asked after the 2015 season for $540 million a $540 million ask at that point, and that that turned the learners off um, at that particular point. Um, now the numbers are not going to be that high. You would agree with that, right? Where no. do you think the number goes? I think it could, it could be $400 million or a little bit over. I think, look, I think, I think there'll be competition for Bryce Harper. Uh, and uh, it was interesting. That was after his MVP season. I know. You know but they didn't make the playoffs no, they didn't. either that year as well so that that's taking into account uh i just think that i look like i said nightingale is as plugged in as anybody but you have the masson situation you have their relationship with scott boris the learners are very close to scott boris that doesn't mean boris is going to do them a favor even though he's he's like their adopted son uh and then you have the strasburg thing that that kind of throws everything out of whack. Why? Well, most people because they they got a good deal on him with yeah, Boris. Yeah, well, because Strasburg did want to stay here. Yes, uh, and, and and signed for a deal that most people thought was lower than what he could have gotten on the open market. But it was still a real good deal. It was a good deal, but it wasn't apparently the Boris you know killer deal. No, no, it wasn't. It was not what typically what Scott Boris wants to do. Ultimately, it has to do with the client wants. I mean, no matter how powerful an agent he is. You felt you've said this. Everybody said this. We felt like Bryce Harper was leaving from the day he got here. Uh, that and and I think part of the reason why people are kind of resigned to it is because they've had six years to get ready for it. Uh, and now they're all going to they're going to get ginned up about the you know whether or not he'll sign in the last month, uh, what he'll do in free agency, and I don't think he's looking forward to it. I don't think he's looking forward to, which is unusual because, I mean, there was a time where where he would have loved the attention. Uh, yeah, and I, again, he he's changed. He's changed a lot. He calls it maturing, and I still think he's got some maturing to do. Uh, but uh, he is he does not want the spotlight. 
You saw that brief moment at the All-Star game when he won the Home Run Derby, and he loved that, and that was the old Bryce Harper. But we have not seen much of that in the last two two years. I think one of the things that they risk here, if they don't, if they're not aggressive in trying to re-sign Harper, is some level of national relevance. The Nats and Bryce Harper have been synonymous. They've been a national sports and certainly a national MLB story since the day he 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 signed or drafted where it was drafted since the day that he was called up in Los Angeles in in 2012. Right. Um. I, th- this is. I know that the Nats have been associated with Strasburg and in recent years with Scherzer, but Harper's been the guy that when you say Washington Nationals, yeah, that's where Bryce Harper plays. Is it important to be relevant nationally because of a superstar player? And then what about locally? Will it impact them at all not to have, and I know Scherzer's a super superstar, I get it, but will it impact them at all not to have Bryce Harper as a Washington National? I, can't. I, I, I will think differently about the team. I'm still going to root for the team. I want Harper here. He's one of the reasons that I pay attention every single night when they're on. He has been. He's been a draw for me. Baseball is, is – is, the national relevance is not as important in baseball. It's more of a regional sport uh, now more than ever uh, in terms of, of relevance. So I don't think that that's really going to have an impact. Uh, I think people are going to get caught up in the Juan Soto – uh, uh, attention uh, moving into next year. He has, a, he has a chance to still be the rookie of the year. He's doing things that even Bryce Harper didn't do when he was 19 years old. And again, baseball, ultimately the Houston Astros have shown that winning is, is what, what will draw people. And, and, and losing will keep them away. Uh, if, if the Nats were, were to wind up having uh, like a couple of rebuild seasons like the Phillies or the Braves did recently, you'd see attendance in that. It'd be a ghost town. It'd be a ghost town. I don't think they will. I think that they're, they're retooling without rebuilding, and I give them a lot of credit for that. The guy, again, I've repeated this many times, the guy who they can't leave, let leave is Anthony Rendon. He, he's their best player. Uh, he's their best offensive player. That's the guy they need to keep. Is there any chance Dave Martinez doesn't get a second year? Any chance at all? Well, of course there's a, always a chance. I'd be shocked uh, if that happened. Uh, I get no vibe that that's happening. It's not like Matt Williams where he was like uh, sitting in his office, you know, uh, with marbles in, in his hand, uh, wondering what everyone was thinking of him. Dave Martinez is out there in the clubhouse, has the support of the players. Players like him. They think he's a good manager. Uh, so I don't get the sense of that. Plus, the learners hate paying managers. Well, that's true. And let alone managers not to manage. Well, they don't value managers anyway. No. Now, that said... They can't, by the way, actually believe, given that they wanted Dusty out of there, they can't believe that Martinez is responsible for this season. Well, they can. They thought Dusty was. Yeah, but they moved on Dusty to get this new guy. It, I, no, they didn't. But they didn't have any you, idea you, you what they were going to do you know, you once they you, got Dusty. Once, under, once they kicked Dusty out, they had no idea what they were going to do. Seems, after that. It seems sort of at odds, um, more so than hypocritical, that you would undervalue the managerial position as much as they have 
uh, essentially say it's really not significant to winning, yet blame last year on Dusty and then potentially blame this year on yes. Dave Martinez. Yeah, I, I didn't say they were smart. In their own way, they're just as dysfunctional <laughs> as the Redskins. You when really, it comes you really? To... You think they're that dysfunctional? Oh, uh, but, people have – I mean, Mike Rizzo and, and winning has, has has perfumed a lot of stuff. Yeah. That that has gone on there. Their their reputation. You talk about the, the biz- national in the business in the community. business community. Yeah, you're right about that. And, and not only that, it's in the business good. of baseball, uh, on the business side, it, it, it's it's not good either. The one thing to watch, just just a small 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 uh, glimpse to watch, is that Buck Showalter's about to lose his job. I know. And Buck and Mike Rizzo are very tight from their days in Arizona. Just throwing that out there. But it's going to cost money to hire Buck Showalter. It's going to cost money. Not as much as it used ends. to. Dave yes. Martinez leaving yeah. and Buck coming in. Yeah. Um, real quickly, did uh, did DeGrom wrap up the Cy Young last night or not? Now, unfortunately, I think he did. I mean, yeah, look, I, I, from what I read, there, uh, there's a ground sweat. Here's, here's what there is, which is really disgusting about our business and about the geeks that seem to run. Is this an analytics discussion? Well, it is in part because here's what I'm talking about. In the Cy Young Award, if, if DeGrom wins, he was another choice. That's fine. He's not the guy I think should win. You think Max Scherzer should, yeah, should win. But if DeGrom wins, fine. That's it. it, it it's, it's a debate over who should win. For those that missed win. it, he, he shut out the Braves last night, and his, and his ERA right now is 1.70. Yeah, it's like like in the past 50 years, there's yeah. only been three or four pitchers uh, over the course of a season who have done that. He's not non-deserving of the Cy Young. okay. But if Max Scherzer would win, it would be a holy war for the geeks. <laughs> in, other, in other words, well, you're an idiot if you think Max Scherzer should win. And if, if people and there'll be voters who uh, of the baseball writers who will vote for Max Scherzer, who will vote for Aaron Nola, and they'll they'll be they'll be ridiculed and they'll be crucified on social media by the geeks. How could you possibly? I remember when uh, Miguel Cabrera won the MVP over Mike Trout. I mean, it was it was like you were saying the Earth is flat. It's really unbelievable. So for these morons, it's a holy war. <laughs> Oh God, you love those people. Well, um, because because I again, by the like, way, I, I don't I don't know that this particular debate is so much analytics versus sort of traditional uh, stuff. But I guarantee but, you, anyone who votes for Scherzer or is Aaron it a, is Noah, a moron? well, no, will be will be cast that way, and that's uh, not right. I don't know if that's the case though, because a lot of the analytics people love Scherzer because of all of his peripherals. Peripherals. Oh yeah, all, 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 peripherals. Of, that, all of the geeky stats I, favor Scherzer. Yeah, what are the peripherals? Peripherals. Yeah. Well, you know something, Aaron? Like his yeah, vision? I'm, I'm gonna, all all the know, geeky people not, love Scherzer. It, it's it's not my podcast. Okay. Yes, it is but, on Tuesdays okay, and Thursdays. So I'm going to forbid you ever to use that word again <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Okay. I don't want to hear peripherals. It ranks up I, there. I, I just wanted to see how red your face would get. It ranks up there with haters and uh, nuance Ur- and urgency. No, I like urgency. Okay. Um, you know, this is the weekend that you hope to get a pennant race or two. We only have one. We have a wild card race, too. Yes. The, the Colorado Rockies, have you seen what they've done to the Phillies the oh, last yeah. three nights? Yeah. They've outscored the Phillies the last three games, 34-4. to four. They are now a half game in front 
of the Dodgers in the National League and West. And the Phillies are behind the uh, Nationals, guess which is pretty hilarious. Guess who's going to impact the National League West oh, race yeah. this weekend? And they're going to they're they'll the Nationals are at Colorado. Yeah, to finish up the season, and that actually. Uh, like I'd much rather have a team that's out of the playoffs in any sport that I root for. My team involved in a meaningful game at the end of the year, and they're going to be involved, and they're going to be involved in three of them. Yeah, because the Dodgers have the Giants on the road. Colorado has the National. They've got the Nationals at home. They have a game against the Phillies today. In their last um, five games, Colorado's outscored their opponents forty-seven to seven. That's really almost unheard of <laughs> in, in a five-game stretch. Yes. They are they are red hot. And um, who do the Nats have this weekend in Colorado? Scherzer's going to pitch one of those games. I don't right? think he is. No, I don't no. think so. And and Tanner Roark isn't because he's back. He's home with his family. I think his his wife is having a baby or something like that. So it's it's who's it's, pitching? Strasburg. I don't think Strasburg is either. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, it's going to be a cast of unknowns pitching. That's your that's your one pennant race, and then you've got a while. See, the Dodgers, the 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 second place. Joe Ross is pitching on Friday, and TBA for the other two days. Okay. There you go. So um, the uh, Brewers have uh, wrapped up one of the wild card spots, but do you know they're only a half game behind the Cubs right now? Yes, in their division. Um, but the Cubs and or Brewers have, have wrapped up one of the two wild card spots, and the other one will come from either St. Louis, uh, who just got swept, I believe, by Milwaukee, who's red hot all of a sudden, or Colorado-Los Angeles, the team that doesn't win the National League West. It's a real battle there. And I always, like, I'm looking at the Dodgers, and I don't know how this sort of will play out. They, they, I would love to have Kershaw. I think Granke just pitched last night or the night before and got shelled um, by Arizona. But it would be, it, I'd love to see if the Dodgers are in that one game wild card. I'd love to see Kershaw as the starter. Like in a one game win, well, yeah. win or go home, you want to see the best pitcher. Do you like the Do you like the one game wild card? I'm, I'm I've been fine with it. I yeah. like it. I, I think it's fine. I like it. Again, people say you play all, you win you know 95 games all year, and it comes down to one game. Well, then win the division. Yeah, win the division. Simple as that. Without it, you wouldn't have, you'd have been watching from right. home. I think it valued winning division even more, and I'm always in favor of that. You know. I'm I'm very impressed. You must not have much to do these days. What do you mean? I mean, with, with your, your your baseball acumen sitting here, you kind of blew well, me away you, here. Well, you know that I'm a playoff. I love the postseason. Okay. okay. In, in, in I just don't recall you being so enthusiastic about it. Always about the postseason. Okay. I to me, Tommy, October is top five for me. October baseball. Last year, the Cubs Nats series was riveting. Start to finish, especially yes. the game four at Wrigley with Strasburg being st- sick yeah. and then and then pitching and you know, really that's this, that's what got Dusty fired. The Strasburg thing, the way he handled it, yeah, publicly. That's what got him fired. Why? He's the one that sort of incented, I think, Strasburg on a certain level to get out there and pitch. Well, but it embarrassed the organization. Well, that's their fault. Yes, it is. It is their fault. But they pinned it on Dusty. Uh, and uh, what he should have, what by by pulling Strasburg out of it initially, uh, not saying he wasn't going to start, instead of just saying he's sick, we'll determine it in game time. That set off the wave of of criticism. If they had won Game Five, he would have been the manager this I, year. I know, but I'm t- I'm telling you that that's what got him fired. 
Uh, this podcast is presented by Window Nation. Um, if you need windows and you want them quickly, there's a huge cost savings benefit uh, to getting them by Sunday. They'll pay all of your utility bills. Uh, go to windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION and tell them I told you to call. If you know people that want to listen to the podcast that haven't figured it out, just have them go to thekevinsheehanshow.com. It's easy. It's an internet website. All they got to do, if they don't understand how to download iTunes, uh, a podcast on iTunes, or they can't go to their iPhone and see the big, you know, the big uh, icon, icon that says podcast on it, it's purple. Um, and all you got to do there is just click it and then search Kevin Sheehan Show. Um, but there's a website, too, thekevinsheehanshow.com. So those of you that have reached out to say, hey, you've, you've talked to people, but they aren't listening because they don't know how to download it, just tell them to go to the website. Also, we've got a Facebook page up now, right, Aaron? And we've got an Instagram account. So follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC, the Sheehan Podcast on Twitter, at Tom Lavero on Twitter as well. Does the Facebook page have peripherals? Um, I don't think the Facebook page has peripherals, but there was an urgency to getting it up. Yes, there was. Let's get to the NFL Power Poll this week. Scott Van Pelt coming up soon, too. Rank them one to five. It's time for our weekly NFL Power Poll. All right, the weekly NFL Power Poll with Tommy on the show means that Tommy, right when he hears that intro, gets on his phone and starts looking at standings and trying to figure out his top five. He, that's, how, that's the way he not only does it on the podcast, it's the way he always did everything. Oh, we're talking about that right now? Let me get to my well, computer you know, and come up with a, because, a couple well, of teams. If, if you insist on, on bringing that <laughs> up, it's because this this part always bores the, the, the heck out of me. I know it does. It, it, def- it does, and, and that's why I love doing it, um, to bore you. Do you know that CBS Sports uh, does a power poll every week? Every website does, sports website. Do you know where the Redskins are on this week's power poll on CBSSports.com? Ninth. Seventh. Really? That's oh a little God. bit insane. Oh, you think? <laughs> All right. I mean, they have... Who, who wrote it? Uh, you know who is wrote it? Pete Prisco. It is. Is it really? Yeah, the guy that literally called the read option the wishbone. He had oh no idea what gosh. it was. Um, there you go. There you go. Uh, he's got the Redskins ahead of the Saints, the Panthers, the Steelers, the Ravens, the, the Packers, the Vikings. He's got the Vikings down at 15th. Now, the ESPN power poll this week... And this just goes to show you that the first three weeks of the NFL season, nobody knows anything. Everybody's got the Rams as a clear-cut number one. But in the ESPN power rankings, the Redskins are 19th. Yes. You know? So there you go. I don't really care because I only care about my power rankings. Okay. Um, Which... Uh, You're not ready? <laughs> Are you kidding me? After after embarrassing me <laughs> you, on the podcast, I you're not him, ready for I this? Ha, I had them written down before. Yeah, um, I had them right in front of me. I I'm, just can't seem to find I'm them. Ready, I'm ready to go. Okay, I am ready to go. Uh, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm ready to go because my number five team in this week in this week's power poll uh, are the Baltimore Ravens. I, I know that that seems super high. And I get a lot of this these days for whatever reason. What are you? Are you a Ravens fan? No, I'm not a Ravens fan. I've said this several times over the last couple of years. I respect the hell out of that organization. That's a real NFL organization, top to bottom. 
It's why they've always been in the hunt, and even though it's been three years since they've been to the playoffs, and I am the only person that seems to think that Joe Flacco is a decent quarterback, and I think he's going to have a career year, and I think the Ravens are going to win 11 games, and they beat, they pummeled the Broncos on Sunday, and there are a lot of teams I could have put into the fifth spot. Are you going to put Miami into the fifth spot? No. No. Even All though right. they're 3-0. I'm not going to put the Saints into the fifth spot. They are terrible on defense. Baltimore is a well-rounded team. They can run the football. They can throw the football deep this year. They've got a defense that's very good, and they're well-coached. The Ravens are my number five team. My number four team in the poll this week, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not sold that the Eagles are what the Eagles were at the end of last year. I still think it's going to take them time. I think they're in a danger spot this week against Tennessee on the road. is a very, very short favorite. I think it's three and a half on the road at Tennessee. Um, I, 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 can, I, I will probably end up changing my view on the Eagles at some point because they are loaded in spots. They've got... Tommy, yesterday I was doing this NFC East follow-up conversation to the one we had on Tuesday, and you look at the Eagles, and what do they have? They may have the best defensive player in the division in Fletcher Cox. They may have the best defense overall. The best quarterback in the division, I don't even think that's debatable. No, it's Carson not Carson Wentz. Wentz. And they very likely have the best coaching staff in the division. Think what you want about Doug Peterson. He's, he's creative. He's aggressive. Um, and then Jim Schwartz is their defensive coordinator. The Eagles are my number four team in this week's Power Poll. My number three team in the Power Poll um, are the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know they lost last week to Tennessee. It was an odd spot. It was a letdown spot. I should have given out Tennessee as a smell test pick last week. But the line wasn't even out on Friday because they weren't sure about the quarterback. I can't do what? You can't give winners all the time, Kevin. (laughs) Well, I try to. Um... (laughs) I just like Jacksonville. You thought I was going to hammer you, I didn't you? you? Were. I thought you were. I, lo- I just like Jacksonville's team. They're, they're so good defensively. I think they've got the best corner in football, the best cornerback tandem in football. Um, they will struggle at times offensively, and they did against a good Tennessee team last week. That's a game that is puzzling that they lost, puzzling that they could only generate six points at home against Tennessee. But I just like this football team, and I think they are a contender, a Super Bowl contender this year. My number two team are the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know how you ignore it at this point. They're able to move the football at will against anybody. Mahomes looks like the real deal. Um, they've got weapons everywhere. Tyreek Hill, Hunt, the, you know, Kel- the, all of them. Kelsey, the whole thing. Uh, and the only thing that will, de- will, will derail the Chiefs, the only thing will be Andy Reid. Andy Reid and his management of a game and the clock and the score, he'll probably F it up at some point down the road in the playoffs. The number one team, and this is a consensus number one team in the NFL right now, everywhere you look, it's the Rams. They've got uh, they've got the coach right now who schemes it up as, as, as well as anybody does. They've got a quarterback who all of a sudden with this coach looks like he is starting to trend towards upper sort of top 10-ish type of quarterback. They've got Gurley. They've got the defense. They've got weapons everywhere. Um, the Rams are, are not just winning games. They're, they're winning them Easily, I know that the Cardinals aren't that great, and I think the Chargers are too banged up right now as we speak. Tonight's a big test for them. I can't wait to watch tonight's game. With that said, Minnesota's banged up going into this game. Sean McVay versus uh, 
Kirk Cousins. It is. And you've got a, a Minnesota team that may not have Dalvin Cook. He wasn't there the other day. He may not be there tonight. They've got an offensive lineman missing. Everson Griffin now with these issues. Uh, he's out. Um, Minnesota, they were my uh, yesterday. I, I sold them as a Super Bowl contender. I think that they are a playoff type of team, but they're missing a lot of what they had last year. A lot. What's your top five? Well, you know, I had an old cop reporter at the Easton Express in Easton, PA, once uh, teach me a lesson. Uh, and the lesson was, if you don't want to do something, just do it really badly for a while. <laughs> and then, and then, then, they'll then they stop, won't ask you then anymore? stop asking you. Yeah, but you've been doing do this it. badly for years, and I keep asking I know. you. So, well, I'm you hoping, know, I'm he hoping gave it will sink in at some point. My number five team is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, two and one. They have a great defense uh, in terms of, uh, you know, keeping uh, uh, drives out of the end zone. Uh, and they've got uh, Cam Newton as, as a, uh, a quarterback who can lift the team. Uh, I like the Carolina Panthers. And they just signed Eric Reed, by the way. Yep. Did they really? Yeah. Wow. That's remarkable. They signed Eric Reed. So we don't have to read about how he's, he's being ostracized anymore on social media. Number four, I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is real close uh, because I think that they'll wind up being like like one or two by the end of the season. But uh, you can't put the Eagles ahead of the Jaguars at this point, I don't think, because the Jaguars are so formidable on defense. I mean, I think, like, if you made a list of the two teams you did, of the, of the three teams you didn't want to play, it would be in this order. Number three, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two, it would be the Kansas City Chiefs, and they would be my number two team. Reed's going to mess it up at some point. I'm just telling you that right now. And you're right. Number one, the Los Angeles Rams. And I still love saying Los Angeles Rams. I do, too. Uh, Team that I would say keep an eye on here over the next few weeks are the New York Giants. They have a big game this weekend against the Saints. I think they're going to be a smell test pick tomorrow. Um, I just think the Giants have talent, uh, and I, it's going to tell you it's a work in progress with the new coaching staff. I liked them before the year. It didn't start off well in the first two games. They had a season-saving win, you could call it, last week at Houston. I think the Giants are a team that's going to that's they're going to catch fire at some point here. They're going to be a tough out week in and week out. Um, and I also like the Lions. Um, I know that's another team year in and year out. I tend to. To for whatever reason think is going to end up be, being better than they are, but they've got a running back now and Carry On Johnson. They've got a good running back situation with Legarrette Blunt and Carry On Johnson and Theo Riddick. Um, they've got playmakers on defense. They're still not there yet defensively, but I've always been a Matt Stafford fan, and I think the Lions are. I I look at them and I I don't see worse than an eight and eight team. I don't when I when I watch Detroit play. They got a big win Sunday night in that win over New England. Um, do you have a team to keep an eye on? Yeah, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. I like the Panthers, too. I, I considered the Panthers for my top five when I was doing all my research for that particular segment. All your research? Uh, your volu- voluminous research? Yes. All, all, all the volumes and volumes of NFL power poll research. It is funny how we used to do this segment on the show, and you would just look at me, and you would start scrambling, <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, we're doing that again this week. Well, I don't you put my typical preparation into this segment that I do for all the rest of them. I know. We bring in Scott Van Pelt, who's with us here on this podcast every 
Thursday. Uh, Tommy had a question for you. He said you tweeted out something that uh, that caught his eye a couple weeks ago. Yeah, usually I don't pay much attention to your your tweets, but this one, <laughs> this Why one, would you? <laughs> this one caught my eye because you were talking about singing to your son this Sam Cooke song and uh, and what a great moment it is for you. And and look, I mean that's something I I miss from my two kids. I used to love. Uh, singing to them because they look at you at that moment like you can do like you can do anything like you like like you're the greatest person in the world and there's nothing you can't do uh just tell me about what what's the sam cook song uh it's a song called good times and um i have no idea why it even happened other than at one point when he was little and i mean he's still little i mean he's two and a half right when he was when he was a baby and he was and he was upset and he was you know crying and you're rocking your child to sleep. I have no idea why I started to sing Good Times, but I did, and it was instantaneous that he got quiet. And I guess I guess it was weird. I mean, he's laying against my chest and maybe he heard the noise and he was listening like, what the hell is that? And so from from that point on, any time he was upset, I would start to just sing Good Times, and he would always get calm. And I don't mean like five times out of ten or six times. I mean ten times out of ten, <laughs> he would instantly get calm. And the other night, he was sick. We had this – when you have little kids in your house, your house is like a Petri dish. Yeah. And I'm sure you don't remember those days fondly or Kevin remembering the boys being young. But, you know, one gets sick, everybody gets sick. So he – it was his turn to get sick. And out of the blue, he just said – he asked me, he said, Daddy, he said, you sing good times and, and, I, and make me feel better. And I thought, how cool is that? Yes. He – he, you know, he's two and a half, and he and his thought is, if you sing that, I'll feel better. And so I did, and then I got the uh, my iPhone out and just played it on a loop, and he listened to it until he fell asleep. And the neat thing about it is you'd like to hope that someday when I'm long gone that he'll remember, like he'll hear that song and he'll equate it to me and him sitting in, you know, wherever, a chair or laying down in his bed and, and you know, making him feel better. I, I think I think he probably will. Uh, I used to sing to my kids a Hoyt Axton song that involved a dog, a cat, a drug dealer, and a murder <laughs> in a Tucson bar. And to this day, they've never forgotten that song. None of those. Was the drug dealer and murderer part, uh, murderer part, was it traumatic or not? Did you no, sing it, it sounded very nice in the okay. song. Right. <laughs> you know, it was a nice Hoyt Axton song. Did, did you guys, right. Scott, and I don't know if this was a thing, Tommy, when your kids were young. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if, if you and I have talked about this before, but the whole Mozart tie to... You know, a kid's mathematical part of his brain. Like if you play Mozart when they are either in the womb or in that first year of life, it's supposed to. There's like this connection to that student, that 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 child becoming m- a much better math student. Have you ever heard of that? Really? So I, I know I, if I missed the window. If if so, I mean, our, I and I mean, I, if the kids got no shot for math because they're part of my gene pool because yeah, I, I don't not you good know at math. The, no, I'm not. But they really like to read, and Daddy, Daddy likes words. So maybe, maybe that's maybe they'll follow in the footsteps. But I, I've missed the window anyway for the Mozart. If you well, like Sam Cooke, so I'll go. I'll, I'll take that. If anybody's too. listening, though, because I don't remember if it was a specific Mozart piece or if it was any Mozart, and I may have Mozart confused with Beethoven or Bach. I have no idea. But if anybody knows what I'm talking about, just tweet it to me. Did at you Kevin do G it? Did you guys? Do I that? did not do it. 
Okay. I did not, but I remember people that did and swore by it, and I just thought it was one of those, you know. I remember. Are there kids mathematicians now, or are they just, you know. I don't know. Maybe they're, they, uh, like they may be looking. really good engineers. I, I have no idea right. if it worked or not. I'm, I'm just curious if anybody else knows what I'm talking about, because you don't, and Tommy doesn't. No. And I'd actually like more information on it. But anyway, it, it is interesting. Scott, is it, you've been throughout your life a much more sort of voracious reader than I. Um, and your, but your math skills were always rather um, limited. limited. And yet, and me, it was always the opposite, as you know. I wasn't a big reader except of, you know, newspapers and, and things like that. But I was a better math student. And that's why I don't, you know, I can't do the big words like you do so well. <laughs> you just try your best with the big words. I try my I best. You. I try my best. <laughs> All right, what about Tiger Woods? Oh, God, it was so cool, man. It was so awesome. It was so, so great and so much fun to see. And um, and it was, you know, it was cool. He came on with us on Sunday night and um, on the show. And he and I have known each other for a long time. And you know, it it puts me in a different place where I, I don't apologize for how I felt. I, I felt happy for a guy who's my friend. If, if I mean, if, if I can call him that, um, and I think I can. Uh, I just was thrilled for him to win again, and thrilled for him that he's in a place now, Kevin, where for so many years he kept the adulation and the people that that wanted to high five him or metaphorically hug him. He kept them at bay, and he and he didn't he didn't want to tap into that, and now. He, it's undeniable how much people wanted to see him win and how much, and he said as much to me Sunday, look, they, they've helped me. They've lifted me when I would have not done as well. And, and he now is, as, is in as such a different place as a 42-year-old guy who's been through some stuff, much of it of his own doing. But it's, he's so much more relatable because he's been through stuff and because he's got a bald spot and a few been a bad back, right? I mean, he's, he's just... There's still things about him that, that are, there are things rather, I should say, that now make him relatable that where he never was before. And yet he's still that guy that people just want to see be Tiger Woods. And on Sunday he was Tiger Woods again. And man, he, I'll tell you the, the really interesting thing is that winning once for him, I really think is the, is the blood in the water for a shark. Like, all right, this is what it feels like. And I did it. And I think you're going to see that. Is he going to win 10 more times? I don't know. That seems like kind of a lot. But if he did, it wouldn't shock me. You know, a step too far, baby. You were, you had me right up until that. <laughs> I mean, you know, he wins once. That means he, he, you know, he's going to have opportunities to win again. The field is so dramatically different from when we knew Tiger Woods uh, years ago. And I just think it's much tougher to be able to continuously win a, a, against the field that you have in the tour today. That said, uh, I agree with everything you said about Tiger and the way he's received. Uh, the reaction to his comeback has been a big part in the reception. Uh, I know that's, that's kind of confusing. I think people, no, I get it. yeah, people have been happy for Tiger because he seems happy about people being happy for him. Yes, uh, people are willing to, far more willing to give adulation and love when they feel like it's being consumed, right? Yes. And, and all I'd say, all I'd say, just to circle back, because I, I understand what you're saying. There's part of me that wondered: Is this was? I thought about this a lot, actually, Tommy. I thought of like, was this the summit? Was this moment like putting your flag back on top of the hill and saying, "All right, I did it. I got back and I did it." And 
knowing him as I think I do, I, and I, I, I came to the point where I, it's like, no, that's, this is base camp. This is where he wants to set up shop and look at, at, at higher, higher hills to climb. And all I'd ask is this, while, while winning will be difficult, sure, look how often this season he had opportunities to and he didn't whether it was Tampa early in the year, whether it was leading in the Open Championship on the back nine on Sunday, whether it was being right there going toe-to-toe with Brooks Kepka, uh, When I say you, know, say, say, say you give him five more years, like give, give him the 47-48, and, that's, and he wins twice a year, would that be a lot? Yes, it would. I, I admit that. But it, it's not beyond, in my, in my opinion, it's not beyond the possibility that it could happen uh, presuming that his back, which was so uh, troublesome, is no longer an issue, I, I, I think he's—I think he knows he can do it now. And as crazy as that is to say for a guy who's won 80 times, he needed to know that he could, and now he does. I'd be shocked, you know, assuming his back and his health is okay, if he doesn't win two times a year over the next five years. Shocked. That's what I mean. I mean, That's I, what I mean. because you really, what, I, I know Tommy. Tommy has this thing about people like you, you and. And me and the fanboyish thing going on well, with Tiger Woods. He knows, at but, least he knows Tiger. At least he's known him for years. Well, uh, that's that's <laughs> fine. But I'm just telling you, Tommy, as you watched Tiger through the course of this year, and it became must-watch if you were a Tiger Woods fan or a golf fan. I mean, you know, I told you this. My, my you know. When when that tee time of two oh five, I think it was two oh five on Sunday, which was right in the middle of the Redskins first half, I had one of my two boys who were at home say, "I'm going to watch the golf." I agree with so, that. So I mean, this is a massive thing, and and he he was so close this year on so many. The, the story to, of to of me, him Kevin, fin- that's hey ev- Scott, where's his final ranking? That, where's his ranking that's right ev- now? That's evidence of how hard it is. That he came up short, but it, but this this has been a process. Where do we know where his ranking is after Sunday? Is it top ten? No, it was twenty. It was it was twenty one going into it, and he won. Thirteen. I, I didn't look. He's thirteen. I don't. I okay. didn't look. Uh, Aaron just 13th? said he's thirteenth. Okay. Where was he in January? Like uh, he was eleven. He was eleven hundred and something. Um, this this is, time last year. This is one of the most remarkable comeback stories, and he only won once, but he was so close. And I just think the competitor in him and everything else leads me to believe that not only is he going to win on tour, you know, one to two times a year, he's going to win majors, plural, oh God. Um, moving forward. I but can't anyway, believe you I, you would know, still drive down that path after you were embarrassed you, by it the last what you, time what you What are you talking about? Because when you and I did this, this was one of the things, when Tommy came back on the podcast for the first time, he had this list of things that he was right about, you know, <laughs> since we last did the show together. <laughs> and, like, and, and of course, I had a little list of things that I was His right about. His list was much smaller uh, than mine. And, and my list, by the way, started with, he owes me not only a dinner at the Palm because the Redskins' name hasn't been changed, which he was convinced would happen by 2017, but that Tiger would come back and, and be a, a factor. And he said, no, you said he would win. Well, now he has one. No, you said he, he would, would win, win a major. major. Okay, fine. Um, I, I did want to well, just – go ahead. I just I, – and again, I understand that why there's pushback, but to Tommy, like if, if you're it, – it's like – look. Again, he led on Sunday at the Open, and he was a shot off Kepka's bumper on Sunday at uh, at the PGA. So it's not as if he didn't compete. I mean, he put himself in position uh, repeatedly, and I, and I think that there was a bit of a mental hurdle of like, can I hold these guys off? And so I don't think it's 
I don't think it's outrageous at all to suggest that he'll be that he'll be squarely in the mix. But I do agree that he's created. That's the interesting byproduct of this. He's created this race of Frankenstein's like Brooks Kepka that look like that. Yes. Right. That, that are that are that are animals in the gym. You there? Animals in the gym. I'm here. Okay. They're, they're they're in the gym being animals like he used to be, and he's created that. Gr- and, and like Rory and Spieth and Thomas, these are all guys that grew up idolizing him, and now he's back in the mix. All of which, right or wrong, if nothing else, it undeniably makes this so much more interesting than it was without him. I just want to mention one thing for those that are listening that may not know, just to add and shed more light on it. When Scott got to the Golf Channel for his first television job, and he didn't go there for an on-air job, he went there for a producer job, and then within the first month was on-air hosting a show, part of Scott's responsibility was to cover Tiger Woods as an amateur, and that's how Scott got to know Tiger as a very young person. And when Tiger won the 97 Masters, the first big sit-down interview was Scott and Tiger. I mean, that, that interview where you've got all that hair is still funny to watch, but it was a, it was a great interview. And then Scott and Tiger really were. I, I don't know, and you, you don't have to, to comment on this, but in terms of the world of, of sports media, no one really has had the relationship with Tiger Woods over this long period of time like Scott has because it started when Tiger right. was that young. You know, Scott was the guy that was asked by Tiger to voice over, you know, all of the, the video, the Tiger Woods uh, golf video game and, and all of that. So I just, for people that didn't know, I wanted to mention that. Um, well, I, we met in 95 when he was a freshman at Stanford, and then he won the amateur in 96, and then he won the Masters in 97, and we sat down in 98. And this is the truth, Kevin. This is 100% accurate. My career doesn't exist if not for Tiger Woods. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sitting at ESPN now doing what I'm doing without Tiger Woods. They wanted me to come there when Jimmy Roberts left cause, to go to NBC because they wanted a guy that had a relationship with Tiger, and mine was was certainly uh, as good as any, and um, in 2001, that's why ESPN hired me. It's all one, and Tiger has repeatedly told me, without me, there's no you, and I'm like, you know what, buddy, that's true, and that's okay with me. Thank you. Thank you, you for coming along. You, the cream rises to the top, and you would eventually be there, but I do remember. I remember when Jimmy Roberts, and you're like, ESPN wants me to come work for him. I'm like, and do you remember the first thing, though, that you covered at ESPN? Well, the well, the the very first thing I covered was the, was the match play in Kapalua, but the but the the big the event. story that happened like a month later da- was Dale Earnhardt his died death, at, at yeah, Daytona. yeah, that was, the, was like, and I they sent you down call. there. Yeah. yeah, well, I got a phone call. It was a Sunday afternoon, and then like there was the newsroom, and they said we think Dale Earnhardt might have died in his crash, and I said out loud, "That's really sad. What? We, what how can I help you?" And like, well, you got to go cover it. And that's when I realized, <laughs> oh. Holy crap! I work for ESPN and I'm like a reporter. <laughs> so yeah, I went to Daytona. That's I didn't. I, I just sort of thought I was like a golf guy, which up until that moment I was. Um, there's a really good Thursday night NFL game tonight um, with the Rams and the Vikings, and we just did um, the, the segment that Tommy and I look forward to so much, so much. every week. Um, our NFL power poll, uh, which we both prepare for literally seconds before we do the segment. But there isn't anybody right now that doesn't have the Rams as their number one team. We're three weeks into the season. It's so obvious, and we know it'll change more likely than not, that the Rams right now are the best team in football. What else do we know through three weeks? Um, <laughs> this is what we always do. What do we know? Um, I think. What do you I have? What do you have a hunch? Give me a couple of hunches. 
Um, let's see. I think I think I think Mahomes Mahomes and Kansas City are going to be difficult to stop. Uh, that offense, I think, is real. But I think both the Rams and the Chiefs could lose this week. Like I think Minnesota's like they just got crushed by Buffalo. So Minnesota is the, of course, they're the right side tonight, right? Um, but I, I have a hunch that I mean Mahomes won't throw eighty touchdown passes. I don't think, but I mean that offense is is real, um, and and the weapons that they have are going to be hard to stop. I have a hunch that the NFL is going to do something about this sacking of the quarterback. I mean, what Clay Matthews did the other did the other day was was a football play. Yeah, I he agree had everybody with you. in the Redskins locker room going, "Man, I don't know what to tell you." I Alex Smith said it's a football play. Swearinger's like, "Man, that's crazy." I mean, these are guys that benefited from that call. Something has to happen with that because it's nonsense. You, you can't play football. It's tackle football. And you can't tackle the quarterback and, and be penalized for it. That's, that's an absurd and outrageous uh, rule. And then some people just throw their hands up and go, well, that's the rule. Well, all right. Well, then have fun with this. So I, I think there'll be some common sense. They're going to step back from that. I agree with you. Tommy disagrees. but No, that's I, not what I said. I said this is the future. Okay, well, and I'm they get, may take not, a temporary step back, but somebody—they didn't just say this would be a good idea. Somebody in the NFL business office said we need to change the yeah, business on the field. Yeah, but after the, the last two weeks, that same person is saying uh, this is a tackle football. Uh, this is a, a sport that involves tackling the quarterback, and we have to allow that to continue. Tell me that, one rule change they've made in the other direction. Uh, they haven't, but if they're not going to change the rule. They're going to apply it differently. They're going to say... Which you can do temporarily no, you as do, you, you ease that, into it. You can do that permanently. No, you, you they're can, not going to do it. Per- Kevin, this sport is moving in one direction. I know. And it's, it's not the direction that you want. But they can't take tackling the quarterback out of the Somebody game. in the business office has decided if they want a product they years from now, they did decide that. And I'm saying, I'm saying that. that they're changing their mind. I agree with Scott. They're going to change their mind on this. If you're in the... If you're in the pocket and I get to you and I sack you, that has to be allowed. Otherwise, the, otherwise the, the, the sport has fundamentally reached a place. It'd be like saying you can't throw a slider or something. You, 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 you have to be allowed to do your job. Clay Matthews did his job. He got to the quarterback. That, and, and by the way, Tommy, that, and, and you know this, that's one of the, the most important jobs in the game because if you can get to the quarterback, you can, you can stop the offense. If you can't, you can't. And if, if you're not allowed to do your job, and there's no, you cannot suspend gravity. You cannot stop your momentum. Like you, if you, if your momentum carries you to the quarterback and you tackle him, you have to be allowed to do that. Like you, you have to be. Otherwise, the sport itself. I mean, it it truly reaches a place where it changes in a way that I think for them hurts them. Well, I think they think they have to make those changes to survive. Yeah. I think there are certain changes like the hits on defenseless receivers, and I don't think it's an apples-to-apples comparison to what we saw Clay Matthews do to Alex Smith last week. That's not the same. That's not a hit on a defenseless player where the player is going to get injured for life based on what happened on that play. It's far different than a receiver completely exposed looking back to a quarterback with a DB closing in and hitting him. It's a different thing. They've legislated that piece out. This one they want to legislate out. They want the quarterbacks to stay healthy because the quarterbacks apparently are the guys that are drawing the eyeballs. But sacking a quarterback is a visceral moment as a football fan. You root for that. You want to see that. They cannot legislate sacking the quarterback out of the game. They They will. At some point, they they will. Again, 
Do you think they thought they, they, they were enthusiastic about this? Why, what do you think the motivation was for this? Well, it's the same thing. It's safety-driven. And why is that? Well, because there are lawsuits from veteran players, no, no, from we're former past players. The lawsuits. The lawsuits are history. Because, They're talking because they about, want football to continue to be a sport that mothers let kids play. They're talking about future perception. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, the future perception of the NFL without the sacking of a quarterback is not going to be I think they've is not going to be advantageous for I the think, league. I think they've determined, particularly with legalized gambling, that their core that their core that their core group <laughs> isn't going to go away. So you really like you see I, the Vikings Rams thing? Isn't it sort of split the action tonight? I was I was thinking about I, giving. I the, think, yeah, I think so. I just I just it feels like a spot where Minnesota will play like Minnesota. That's what, like you know play like the Minnesota we thought they were. Before they're hurting they got though. By Buffalo. They're hurting. I'm sorry, they, they got defensive yeah. players out, offensive players sure. out. Um, I'm the, Ram, going, the Rams are really the Rams are the Rams are really good. Like McVeigh, you know, I mean, he's he's uh, obviously what what you know what it was suggested around town he might be. He's he's excellent, and that offense is is silly. They do, I think Peters and Talib are both out for them though, so that that hurts them on the defensive side. And we look, nobody will look like this for 16 weeks. It never happens, but they're really really good. That much is obvious. Did I tell you I'm going to Penn State, Ohio State Saturday night? Are you? Yeah. Going up there. Uh, that environment's that that environment's uh, is supposed to be spectacular. I will absolutely have Penn State in my winter segment. Just mm-hmm. on general principles. On general, that line is short. That will be a smell test pick as well. Um, all right. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thank uh, you, Scott. And, that, I, and the phone was a pleasure. The phone was excellent this week. It was yeah, really I came to good. a special spot. I found it. I found a place in town that has a good signal. I'm in my car. I came here just and actually I had a business to tend to, but I realized it was a good signal, so I sat right here just so that I would uh, have a good signal. Well, we appreciate it. As always, thank you. Uh, thanks, Scott. Thanks, boys. Have you. a great day. All right, you too. Scott Van Pelt, everybody who joins us here on this podcast every Thursday. So you're go- when are you going to the football game? I'm actually going to go up tomorrow night. Okay. We're going up tomorrow night. Um, we've got – there are a lot of people that we know that also have kids at Penn State that are going up, and then there's some people here that are Penn State alums that I know that are going up anyway. But it is – you know, it's probably at this point the biggest – game of the season wouldn't you say Aaron? it's up there it's definitely up there yeah. you you had uh no nah, i actually probably definitely right now yeah. through the first five weeks this is probably your big i mean it's your your one what other top 10 matchup have we had i don't think we, uh well oregon stanford was were both we're, top bo- 10 they were both top 10 yeah oregon was top 10 for that game last week i think they were wasn't it seven and eight i, I, I could be wrong about that I don't know. uh tomorrow you, by the way can I yeah. say what I'm doing? Are you going to ask me, what are you doing was, this weekend, just, Tommy? I was just going to say, what are you doing? I know you're working with Andy, hopefully this weekend, but what else are you doing? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm on with Andy Saturday morning on 106.7 The Fan. But Saturday night, I'm doing one of the cool things I've ever done. Uh, at the Strathmore? Yes. Have you ever been there? I have. I've never it's been there. It's actually a really nice venue. I've never been there before. Who's there Saturday night? Saturday night, they're showing one of the great American films of all time. On the waterfront, they're showing on the waterfront. Was that that was the picture of the year, right? In, in 1955. 1955. With with I don't think it won Oscar because I think Marty won the Oscar. That Marty year. did win the Oscar, and yeah. you know how I know that from, from the movie from Quiz the Show. Movie Quiz Show. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but they're having the nat- There was a great musical score for that movie done by Leonard Bernstein, and it's the only movie he ever did that for. So they're going to have the national Is Hallelujah fi- part of that. The national f- no. Okay. No, Leonard Bernstein, not Leonard Cohen. Oh, Leonard Cohen. That's oh my, my fault. My God. Fault. <laughs> I, I got my Cohens and Bernsteins mixed up. My fault. And the National Philharmonic is going to play the score 
uh, during the movie live. Oh wow! And it's 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 one of the, have you ever seen on the waterfront? I have not. Of course not. No, it's 1955. Kevin, it's one of the great uh, you, American films. You do this films. to me all the Could've time. Been, all Could've the been a films contender. I've missed. Yes, Aaron knows have it. Have you watched Game of Thrones? Well, why would I do it's, that? I'm not a child. Tommy, seriously. I'm not a child. I, have, I haven't seen on, on the waterfront. Who, who did it star? Marlon Brando, Carl Malden, uh, Rod Steiger, Lee J. Cobb. Great, great move. Again, and I one of the things, look, I always talk about the gifts I had in this business, and I consider them gifts when I get great opportunities. The guy who wrote the screenplay for that was Bud Schulberg, one of the great American writers of, of the 20th century. I got to know him because he was a big boxing guy, and we covered boxing together. Uh, I'd spend time with him in Vegas. And that, that's like for you saying, I don't know. <laughs> That, that you hung out that with Tiger great. Woods. No, that wouldn't be it. That wouldn't be it. <laughs> I don't know what it would be. Um, I don't know but, what it would but, be either. But, I mean, me being able to hang out with Bud Schulberg is, is a gift. And he was the guy who wrote On the Waterfront. So that's what I'm doing Saturday night. That sounds like a great Saturday night. I will be in State College, PA, watching Ohio State, Penn State. And tomorrow, lots of football discussion and lots of picks. The smell test, Tommy, last week was 9-3-1 and one and 4-0 oh in the NFL. Wow. And I will just say that tonight's game, Rams minus 7 against the Vikings, it's not a smell test pick because the action is sort of split. But I do agree with Scott that the perception with the Vikings losing to the Bills and the Rams being untouchable is that the Vikings won't win this game. And I, if I were forced to play it, I would play the Vikings plus the seven tonight. With both those cornerbacks out, that smells like a Kirk Cousins 420-yard game it, to it, me. It, it's possible. Both the cornerbacks are, are, are out? I think Tlaib, Tlaib is definitely out, obviously. Yes. Peters is believed to be out. Okay, I knew Tlaib was out. I wasn't sure about Peters. All right. Um, it's, it's also a chance to see the Rams. I've not seen any of their games yeah. yet. And, and this is, boy, second straight week. The, the ratings for these Thursday night games – are going to be really, really strong here for two weeks Absolutely. in a row. Last week it was Jets-Browns and the number was up. Yes. Imagine what we get tonight. This was so much fun again today. It always is. It's a, it really is. It is so much fun. Tommy and I are so happy to be doing this together. Or at least I am. I, sometimes he is, um, despite the long drive. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, boss. Enjoy the weekend. I'm back tomorrow. Uh, lots of football discussion, even though the Redskins aren't playing. Lots of sports picks, college, football, etc., and a couple of guests as well. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to all of you. Enjoy the day.